0: today I'm happy to have Dr. J.T. Williams with us. A little bit about J.T. He was born and raised in Meso, Kentucky, completing his undergraduate work at Transylvania University in Lexington, Kentucky. He attended the University of Kentucky doing graduate work in medical microbiology and immunology. He was the University of Tennessee College of Veterinary Medicine, class of 1993, and began practicing at his current clinic, Colonial Heights Vet Clinic, in 1993. He bought half the practice in 1996 and the rest in 2001, where he has managed it successfully ever since. If you are a Maysville local, I highly recommend taking your pets to JT at Colonial Heights Vet Clinic, and if you aren't, you can still check them out on Instagram at Vet in a Hat. Anyway, uh, JT, I'm very happy to have you here today. You bring a lot of experience to the table and have seen lots of cases of Parvo, which is what we're talking about today. So could you uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Parvo disease and kind of what it affects and what it does?
1: Sure. Uh, First of all, thanks for having me back on, Nathan. I I appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast. I'll kind of give you my... Harvo speech as it has evolved over the years as i give it to clients Harvo is a is a virus which you know sometimes you have to explain that you know uh, things like antibacterials antibiotics aren't going to be effective against that because people automatically think if there's an infection you know you get an antibiotic and that's going to cure it but uh, anyway it, it's a viral disease that is can be potentially fatal in dogs or or canines because the other canids can also get it that is a, a very hardy virus meaning that very little will kill it. it it you know heat won't kill it freezing won't kill it normal disinfectants won't kill it they do have some you know veterinary grade disinfectants that will and bleach will kill it <clears throat> it's also a very sticky virus so it's one that can be carried on your shoes or, you know, a dog's paws or whatever into the house and can therefore be obtained inside the house where, you know, I've had people come in and say, well, the dog has never hit the ground. Well, okay, but you have. So it invades, it it gets in through the, uh, it's the fecal oral route. So it's, it's shed in a dog's stool and the infectious particles are there and can survive for months if not years in the environment and once a dog is exposed to it and and it's usually a puppy thing where their immune system is not mature yet they will it it basically primarily affects two two organ systems one the intestinal system which is going to be the symptoms that owner is going to see such as vomiting diarrhea anorexia Then it's also going to affect the immune system, which will cause some lethargy and an immunocompromised situation, which the owner may not be, it may not be obvious to the owner, but it can cause other problems such as secondary infections. I once, for instance, saw a case, this was years ago, that the dog got parvo and then got distemper on top of it. And, oh, cool. um, you know, I would assume that that was because its immune system, which is already not mature, then is compromised by the parvovirus and then got the on top. It, it That dog didn't make it.
0: Now, now, do you see, you mentioned a lot of things, the diarrhea, vomiting. Does every yeah. dog get all of those? So,
1: so in my experience, the diarrhea is is pretty consistent. Vomiting mm-hmm. is is quite common. But, and I will, that usually the first thing that people will come in for is the dog's not eating. And, and it usually will happen. They'll say it was fine last night, this morning, you know, it's overnight. And that does happen. That's the way it works. And so sometimes the first thing is the vomiting. So they'll come in and they'll say, you know, it's been vomiting, not eating. Does it have diarrhea? No. I usually tell them that it will once I have the, the, Parvo diagnosis. I'll say, well, you're going to have diarrhea. It's probably going to have blood in it, and it's going to smell awful. And usually, that occurs. So those two, the the vomiting, diarrhea, well, three, not eating, mm-hmm. are pretty much you know the hallmarks. And then those things, other clinical signs will develop from that, such as di- I mean dehydration
2: mm-hmm.
1: because they're vomiting and having diarrhea and not drinking. Yeah. So you know you have those issues. But but those are the things that you know, in my experience, the the big three are not eating, diarrhea, and or vomiting.
0: And, and what what ages are you usually seeing seeing this in?
1: <clears throat> it's it's definitely a puppy disease. that although I have the oldest dog I've ever seen with it was five, and it had not had any vaccines in its life. I've seen a couple of two year olds, but mostly it's you know the the two to six-month age group.
0: Which I think I agreed with that until like the last two, maybe three months. I've seen, I think, three dogs. Well, in the last few weeks, at least two dogs, 11 years of age. Wow. Um, that that got this. And, and like you mentioned, and we'll talk a little bit more later, they they were, if they were vaccinated, it was as a puppy and, and not in the last decade.
1: So I Uh wonder if that's the case because like we would in with the case of demodectic mange, I usually saw that in either puppies because their immune system wasn't mature or the really old dog where the immune system is probably on the downhill side. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. And and so maybe that's the same case in your case with an 11 year old, maybe its immune system was, you know, in the sunset of its career and couldn't, couldn't fight it off anymore.
0: And and that's, I kind of, my, my own spiel I've given, I've kind of, adapted to that just weakened immune system, which mostly, yeah. like you said, is puppies. Yeah. Um, uh, and going over cases of the last few months, I think I've seen as many older adult dogs as puppy cases. Now the puppies outnumber the adults because right. the whole litter usually gets it. Um, or right. do you usually see the whole litter getting it in your experience?
1: Yeah, most of the time it's it's the whole litter. You know, you'll you'll have one or two come in first, and then you know. Uh, there's like, well, I have three more at home. They're okay right now. And then the next day they're not. Yeah.
0: That, do you think one of the other things, I don't know if I know this, but uh, there's different viral strains of parvo out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're
0: affect the different ages.
1: As far as I, as far as I understand, it's, it's uh, the uh, K-9 parvo CPV2, which is the, uh, so if there's a two, you know, there was a one, um, that but it's the 2 that is now the the virulent strain and then there's sub strains a b and c i think b is the one that causes most of what we most of the stuff that we see but and i don't know if if this is still the case but when you know parvo's are well i was going to say a relatively young disease but it it was when i was still in school which was a long long time ago at this point so <laughs> uh, but you know it mutated I believe, from the feline parvovirus in the late 70s. Okay. So that was, and back then, it was just wiping out dogs because, you know, they didn't know what it was, they didn't have a vaccine, blah, blah, blah. But early in my career and at school, I remember hearing of cases where, and I believe I've seen a few, not recently, but years ago, where one of the strains would attack the cardiac muscle oh. in the dogs. And they were dead within 24 hours. Wow. Nothing you could do. Okay. Um, I, I don't know that I, I don't know that I saw that, but I, you know, I remember learning about that, and and I do believe I saw some cases because they were just, mm-hmm. just different. So I don't know what you know as far as different age groups. I, I don't know if any of the strains are more, prevalent. more prevalent in certain age groups or not.
0: And our tests don't really differentiate right. the strains and stuff. No. And at that point it really doesn't matter. We've got but We have to deal with it. Right. Yeah. Uh what do you I mean, what survival rights do you give people with with this?
1: So one and this has probably been probably eight or ten years ago I actually did this and it was my just my own uh my own cases. I went back and figured up my survival rate with ones that I treated. Now I can't tell you if they were totally unvaccinated, if some of them, I didn't go into that much detail because I wanted to be able to say to the owners, you know, if you treat this dog, it has whatever. And at that time anyway, and again, that was years ago, and I haven't done it since it was about 80%. If they treated. Yeah. Of course, I don't know if they didn't treat because sometimes you would never hear back. So you don't know if they lived or not. But what I could say was, if you do everything, you know, follow my treatment, then there's an eighty percent chance. And the other thing was, and I, I don't think this is just me. I think this is kind of, but three days from the sign onset of symptoms. If if they were going to, if they made it three days, their chances went up uh, considerably. And Uh,
0: I know I've noticed the three day mark myself, and I tell clients that. I usually say 50, 50. I, my feeling is maybe not quite the same as yours, but I feel like you get more that once we start treatment, because I remember one of the last puppy groups, once we started treatment, we did pretty good, but the ones that died were the ones that did not, they died before my treatment could have effect.
1: Yeah. Uh, So I I think it
0: definitely helps.
1: The other thing that I, yeah, because obviously there are some that, there's some stray dogs out there that, that'll get it and they'll live. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, they don't even have the opportunity for treatment. So, you know, but and the other thing, it, yeah. right, but they're spreading it, yeah. The other thing that I will tell my clients is that it's a very difficult to predict as far as prognosis-wise disease. Because yeah. I have had dogs that have come in, I didn't think it was Parvo, but we've tested They seem perfectly fine, hydrated, whatever. They're dead the next day. Yeah, I've had other dogs that are lateral recumbency on the table. Mm -hmm. You know, I think they're going to die before I get this needle out. You know, or get the catheter in them. Yeah, and then they live. Yeah, and and I, you know, I can't explain that. I, I I think that's more, probably more, a function of their own immune system than anything.
0: Yeah, and so. I, you know, I, I I hedge my bets when I'm talking to clients. I'm usually saying fifty-fifty sure. survival yep. rates and stuff. But we're talking about survival. Is there a way to prevent this?
1: Yes, absolutely. A very good way, <laughs> <laughs> because as I've already said, the the avoidance of the uh, the causative agent is going to be impossible. Mm-hmm. Although people still try it, you know. Yeah. Um, they, or they think they do, but I tell them and they said, so I need to bleach my house. Right. Well, you can, if you want, but then you walk through your yard and if there's virus there, you're dragging the back in, you know? So, yeah. but, uh, vaccines are the, are the, the gold standard here. I mean, it's, it's yeah. to me, the kind of the poster child of, of vaccinations. It's, you know, 95 plus percent effective if done correctly, uh, you know, with a good vaccine and, the correct timing but that being said because we don't know we don't have a window into that dog's immune system at every point in time mm-hmm. you're, you're almost always going to have a window of opportunity for that parvovirus to be infectious in any particular animal at any particular time so it's really a probability thing you know you're given these yeah. shots at certain interval intervals which has been determined that that's the best likelihood of hitting that dog at such a time where it will boost its immune system to prevent. So we
0: don't just give one shot and it's done. We have a series of.
1: Yeah. So the the maternal immunity that's passed to the puppies, we know lasts for six weeks, at Mm -hmm. least six weeks. After that, we don't know in in each individual puppy in a litter is going to be different. So it could last up to 20 weeks. <clears throat> so what we do is we recommend starting at six weeks, giving a parvo booster or a parvo vaccine, and then every three to four weeks. And this has gone back and forth throughout my career, and, and it, not on the label, but I've been told every three to four weeks until they're sixteen weeks old, and I've also been told every three to four weeks until they're twenty weeks old, and oh. I've been I've been told that by I've heard that at different lectures from different people. And so I, I typically go to the – well, it kind of depends on when they start. If they start at six weeks, yeah. I will usually stop after they get one at 16.
0: Gotcha. If they don't
1: yeah. start until 12, I might go to 20. Yeah. So I'm
0: usually trying to get at least three. Three, post- yes. Uh, yeah. Three.
1: Three is kind of the magic number, yeah.
0: Yeah. Is And as you mentioned, we really – there's no point in vaccinating before six weeks because of the – No. no. And that's
1: a little frustrating to me when I see – people that have gotten puppies from different people that have uh already vaccinated them which I don't have anything against if they're using a quality vaccine they're doing it correctly that kind of thing yeah but when you start doing it at four weeks you're wasting your money and you could potentially uh, I think I just, maybe be doing harm I I I've seen
0: it two weeks too and yeah I, I just and then they'll
1: do it every two weeks and it's yeah, yeah. you know they come to me at eight weeks and they've had
0: four shots yeah <laughs> I'm like, that's, I don't know that it's hurting, but, you know, I don't. But
1: it's it not helping hurting. for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, so how can we prevent Arvo in those puppies since we can't vaccinate them in that window? Or is there a way that we can at least help try to prevent it?
1: Yeah. So I kind of assume that the mother has either already been vaccinated, which yeah. sometimes I know, or if you have a dog that has not been vaccinated. If it was a stray, for instance, sometimes they, they will have acquired immunity mm-hmm. either from having the disease or whatever. So I, am, I've kind of always under the assumption that the mother has immunity that's going to be passed. That may not always be true. I understand in the case where situation we were just talking about with breeders, those those mothers are usually going to be vaccinated. So yeah, yeah, it's important to have the mother vaccinated so we get that six weeks mm-hmm. of protection automatically.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now this probably sounds self serving to veterinarians, but where would you get your vax? Where would you recommend getting your vaccines from?
1: Okay, so <laughs> you know vaccines are not prescription. So you know the the public, the general public, can get the same vaccine we can. This is how it was explained to me one time. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to preface it by saying I don't know if this is is true, is factual, is. But I was told that you know the vaccine manufacturers have to have to I've obviously prove their efficacy. So, and I'm just throwing numbers out; these aren't true numbers. <laughs> but you, there has to be a certain minimum of virus particles, if you will. In this vaccine to be effective. Let's say it's 2 million. So you may, I won't mention any trade names here, any names, but (laughs) you, so you may go to a store and buy a canine parvo vaccine, you know, generic name for, you know, $3 or whatever it is. And it may have 2 million virus particles in there, which is going to be, it's going to pass regulations. Yeah. Whereas the better the better vaccines may have 15 million. Yeah. You know, and it's going to cost more because of that. And you have the research and development and everything and brand behind that vaccine. So again, I don't know if that's true or not, but it makes sense to me. And it's just like anything. You know, it's you got kind of to get what you pay for. So and I have certainly seen dogs plenty of dogs that had been vaccinated some at the correct intervals but with a in my opinion less than quality vaccine come in with parvo
0: yeah and and i also know people who know people who work at feed stores where these vaccines are are brought in and they've said oh yeah uh, they just sit out on the dock or before so these vaccines aren't being properly stored sometimes, and right. that affects the FOC too. Absolutely, um, I will can pretty much say the dogs that I I know that I have vaccinated are not coming down with parvo, and right. if they do, uh, I'm very happy that uh, you know we've tested this before. The drug companies we use, um, Bi is the one I use, and they have yeah. you know they have guarantees that back their product, which is very helpful. If there Uh, are problems, the ones I've had to report to them are usually they the we're giving the vaccines, but the vaccines have not had time to work when the right.
1: I I had a case here recently that uh, had litter of puppies that I vaccinated, and some of them came down with it. It was less than a week, so Mm -hmm. the vaccine hadn't had chance to.
0: Yeah, Uh, because it takes at least two weeks to have effect. And we've already talked about how the immunity changes through their age. We don't know that we're getting all the effects with just the one vaccine. That's why we do the multiple rounds. Exactly. So uh, we've talked about preventing Parvo. Hopefully we can prevent it and get people to do it because it's a devastating disease. We also talked about how many, you know, can die and without treatment, uh, even more die, you know. Uh, So, but how... How how do you treat parvo in, in your clinic?
1: So this has changed a bit over the years, but the mainstay, the, the, the two things that are going to kill a dog that has parvo, number one is dehydration,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and number two is the weakened immunity. So, you know, there's no, as we've said before, there's no miracle antibiotic or antiviral drug right now that's going to kill it. So you, supportive care is the mainstay. Uh, fluids, number one, IV if you can, if you, if the owner is willing to do that, uh, hospitalize the dog and you know and, and have it hooked up, that kind of thing. Sub Q if not. The other thing is to, if they are vomiting, is to try to uh, to prevent that because they, you know, really the electrolyte imbalance will be caused by that, and also dehydration will accelerate. I typically do not do anything for the diarrhea. Um, It's just, you know, it's if they're sick to their stomach, they're not going to tolerate it. I have I just have not had I don't want to say I've not had any luck. I was taught not to not to not to not worry about it. But it's the vomiting is the one that's going to get you. and It is going to resolve once the uh, if they get over parvo. Yeah. I give antibiotics, not in the again, thought that I'm gonna get rid of the parvovirus, but to try to prevent any secondary bacterial infections, such as a yeah. pneumonia, uh, for instance. So anti vomiting, antibacterial. There is a new treatment that I have not had a chance to try yet, but I will whenever I do. But but those are the you know, those are the main with fluids being number one by far. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, and that's Uh, Do you usually keep in hospital?
1: Usually not, but it's usually, that's usually by the owner's choice. And a lot of times it will depend on, you know, I don't have a 24-hour staff. uh, So if it's towards the end of the week, I don't want them to be there because they need, you know, they they would need more attention than I can give them. Most of the time nowadays, especially people elect to take them home.
0: That's. I found it interesting because when I opened up my brick and mortar and started seeing parvo cases, I, I kind of made a conscious decision not to have animals overnight. So I said, uh-huh. what do I do with parvo cases? And I basically sub-Q fluids versus IV mm-hmm. and all the same things you did, make as much injectable as I can Yeah. and teach the owner how to get fluids at home. Yeah. And I was like, well, this just seems to be the way I'm I'm going to do it. I don't feel like from working at your clinic and others that the survival rates uh, went down from that. Um, No, I would agree
1: with it. I would agree. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think, I think a lot of my clients like working to help save their pet. um, Yeah. And save some expense as well. So I I think it's worked out for the most part. It's still hard for clients to manage such a disease at home um, I always offer that they can go to one of the overnight clinics but I just I don't like having animals in the clinic when when no one's around and
1: stuff. yeah I, I agree
0: and then I I thought I I made this up and it was really cutting edge and apparently there's like a um, I think it's the Colorado uh, method or something they came up with it out of vet school too and I'm like oh well I'm glad someone else thought of
1: it <laughs> yeah
0: I I do add metronidazole for the diarrhea a lot, also some for the infection. I'm curious now if that m- makes as much of a deal as, as not. Uh, the students that I have, they keep asking me, "Do you feed it or not feed it?" Uh, yeah,
1: what- and that that that's something that I ha- that I never did, and then I've heard more of a push that you're supposed to get them back on food as soon as possible. Um, To me, I I still don't, I still don't push it. And I tell the owners that, you know, when they get hungry again, they're really going to be hungry. So just don't let them eat too much, Um, but you want them to eat. So it's, to me, it was always kind of a let the patient determine
0: self-regulatory and yeah. I send fluids with dextrose home most times. So they're getting some energy being absorbed. Mm-hmm. It's not a yeah. lot, but I, I find, yeah, the students seem really, because I usually say if they're vomiting, don't feed them. And then yeah. once they stop vomiting, let them eat if they want. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, And, and they, they seem really taken aback by that. Huh. So, uh, But because yeah. I think they're pushing at school to feed them.
1: To feed them, yeah. yeah. I had um, read that, yeah.
0: Yeah. So it, uh, I guess that's something that, uh, you know, I don't usually stop people either. So I'm right. um, doing stuff. Like yeah. um, can, can this be expensive? We've talked about a few different ways. And, you know, one of the other ways is I tell people you can go to the 24-7 where someone is watching this animal. Yeah. Every minute of the day, which has benefits, but on the flip side, that is going to be expensive. Is, is this an expensive yeah. disease to treat?
1: I mean, it, it used to be. I have to say, when I first got out, it was one of the most expensive to treat. Um, I do believe, relatively, it mm-hmm. has gotten less expensive. Uh, the the dollar numbers have gone up, but some other things have surpassed it. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, relatively. But yeah, I mean it can still be expensive. There's there's no yeah. doubt. You know the the new treatment, the new drug that I told you that I mentioned. You know it, it one vial of it costs. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. So, but it's a one time treatment too, and you're not supposed to have to do anything else. So again, you know, if you're looking yeah. at in, in the old days, if you if I did do IV fluids, three days hospitalization, the antibiotics that I would have to give two and three times a day versus some that now the, uh, vomiting medicine that I would have to give more than I do now, uh, it would be that much, yeah, much more labor intensive, you know, three days of hospitalization. So, you know, I, and again, that's relative to, I've had people say, yeah. Oh, I thought it was going to be $2,000 when I say 500 yeah. and other ones are like, Oh, 500 is too much. So, um, yeah,
0: that new parvo treatment cost a lot of, money which has been very prohibitive for my clients that I've offered it to and and stuff. So, it would be easier to just vaccinate because the uh, vaccines are cheaper and yes, prevent all of this. So
1: Absolutely. Now,
0: what about animals at home? You kind of mentioned it earlier. You said bleach and some stuff, but yeah. what what kills parvo? How can we take care of parvo at home?
1: So, so diluted bleach is is definitely the way to go. There are again, there are other it, it has to be more than just, you know, Lysol. It has to be a, a medical grade disinfectant, but, you know, people can certainly get that. But again, I don't, I personally don't stress that because you it's, take that dog home and wherever it goes to the bathroom, you're going to have parvovirus. So you should obviously clean that up, Yeah. but it, it doesn't mean that, I mean, even then you, they go outside, they're going to be exposed to it. I mean, it's like you said, vaccine is the way to go here, no doubt.
0: Yeah. And I think sunlight kills it too. But when I tell people that, I'm like, sunlight doesn't get down in the ground, you know, where virus is hiding beneath the ground. And when it rains, it's it's going to be, come right back up and then your dog's walking out in it again. So it's...
1: Right, exactly.
0: We're never going to get parvo out of the... The world, so protecting no. the dog to me is the the way to go and stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, any any closing thoughts about parvo? Anything else that we just you know want clients to know? Or
1: I mean, the thing that I think the thing that we have kind of hammered home is you know, vaccinate, vaccinate, vaccinate. It's a good vaccine. It's a safe vaccine. There are some vaccines that you know you will have a little bit more likelihood yeah. of having a vaccine reaction to. I don't know that I've ever seen one to so, the parvo vaccine that i could you know pinpoint to that yeah because uh, you know some some a lot of times the parvo is is um is in yeah. a vaccine a, a multivalent vaccine where you have add the virus influenza and distemper yeah and in some in lepto too so you know if you're given that it, if it has a reaction you don't really know which one it is but mm-hmm. to be quite honest uh, it's probably not going to be part probably the parvo yeah. uh, part of it.
0: And, and I always tell people too: just because your animal has parvo, get the vaccine when it's safe to vaccinate again. Because right. there are other, you'll have immunity for a while, not forever, but for a while. And you want to get immunity from the vaccine from the other things in the combo that you write stuff. Yeah. So you yeah. still want to vaccinate even if your dog had parvo. Exactly. So yeah. But yeah, otherwise, thanks for being on talking about Parvo. It's something, it's just a devastating disease and we can prevent it. So I appreciate you sharing. Don't forget to check out Vet in a Hat on Instagram. (laughs) And otherwise, if you're in Maysville, uh, I would definitely recommend Colonial High Set Clinic. Um, Appreciate it, Nathan. It's good talking to you. I'm Dr. Nathan. Thanks for listening. I hope our discussions are valuable to you and aid in giving perspective. If you want to contact us, please reach out to theveterinarypodcast at gmail.com. You can find a complete list of the podcast episodes on SoundCloud. If you find this information helpful and want more content, please join our Patreon, patreon.com slash theveterinarypodcast. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page facebook.com the veterinary podcast. As always, thanks for listening and I hope this information is helpful to you. If you do find it helpful, please like it, share it, so other people may find it helpful as
2: well.